0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Ask a Black Woman with Shanera the Mouthpiece. Uh, I had another episode that was planned for this week. However, um, I wanted to make sure I, I put this one out in a timely fashion because uh, this is what we're all talking about um, as a culture. And I, I just couldn't give it up. What am I talking about? I'm talking about uh, the... The senseless killing of Brother Ahmad Arbery. So maybe you've been, uh, you know, you've heard about it. it was a little bit of a delay. Um, he was killed on February twenty third, twenty twenty, as he went out jogging, went out running, um, you know, in his Georgia neighborhood, and I think it kind of like borders going into an area in Florida, and he was essentially hunted down by. Um uh, two white men um a father and son duo, and they've just been recently arrested, yeah, so we'll let that sit, so you know, I don't like to you know make this podcast necessarily about whatever's trending necessarily, but when things happen and they they just hit me in a different way, I get kinda. Upset, I get and I feel like I have to speak. I'm a poet and I'm a writer. And what triggered me to make this particular recording today is the fact that I was on a very important call, a Zoom call actually today. And the leader of this Zoom call is a very well-to-do CEO. And he's a black man, um, a little bit older than I And And so something he did, he said prior to the meeting um, really starting, uh, he was commenting on something that had happened on his very well-to-do block, if you will. And essentially he said that a young man was uh his car was stranded. It was a Prius. He mentioned some he mentioned some very interesting things that it was a Prius and that it was stranded so that it was actually blocking his family in or in some kind of fashion. And that what was unfortunate was that this this man, this young man in this Prius um was really having an all-out panic attack. He was very traumatized about being stranded in this unfamiliar neighborhood and the attitude so to speak of this affluent older black man telling us this story uh is what really got me so I'm listening and he goes on to say yeah and the he said how hysterical the guy was when his car wasn't got stranded and wouldn't move and upon further investigation, he goes out, checks on the guy, whatever, and he's hysterical. And so, uh, essentially, what happened was, th- I think he did have his. They, the neighbors, got together. They had his car towed. They got him some food and some water. They, they did the good Samaritan thing, if you will. And uh, the c- final comment from this affluent black man was that, and. He didn't even say, "Thank you and i I thought to myself, i mean i the comment floated, and then, as our meeting began to really get in it be- i started to replay what he was saying, and so the zoom call itself was not the place for me to fight the power. It really wasn't um but this platform of mine, Ask a Black Woman, is definitely that that place where I get to 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 say some things. And I thought about it, and I said, "Wow, I have a Prius. <laughs> I have a Prius, and I'm a black woman, and I drive Uber. I up until the beginning of March, I would drive Uber on the side to make money. Okay, and uh." If this young man he's speaking of is a black man, I believe he was basically insinuating this on the call. He's a black man in a very affluent Los Angeles neighborhood, and he's stranded. And we have cases like Ahmaud Arbery still happening, and it's it's taking a, a national um, focus right now. How could you as a black man not understand why this young black man is panicking because his Prius is stuck on a, uh, 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 an affluent neighborhood street? How could you? And so he he was saying. He also went on to say that you know, you know, because of these are the extreme things that are happening because of COVID nineteen. Now, COVID nineteen might have something to do with it. Uh, it might add an extra layer. But I think without COVID nineteen, the plight of black men in this country being able to be comfortable with going anywhere they please in neighborhoods that they might not. Uh, necessarily live in is a very serious matter they don't need COVID-19 to be traumatized so whether or not this man should have said thank you is irrelevant but your compassion and empathy for this black man stranded in this affluent neighborhood in Los Angeles was it was it was reprehensible and I thought about it I said you know it could it be that this young man who was driving a Prius (laughs) might've been delivering food to your well-to-do neighborhood and just wanted to make his money and get out of there as soon as possible. And the stress of having a car break down when you trying to make money to make ends meet (laughs) is not the added layer that you need. I just... The more I thought about it, I was like, because I'm, I'm, I'm too close to that myself, right? Like, what did, a Prius, black, um, living in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a big um, city, um, and being very well attuned to the fact that in most cases your life doesn't matter, and you, what you say can can be used against you. People automatically assume the least and the worst. I'll continue. So it makes me think of one of my scenes in uh, my one woman show called um, Ask a Black Woman um, About um, the Neighborhood. It's the neighborhood scene. And in this scene, I I recount how when I was living in Inglewood, and when gentrification was starting to really be very noticeable. And one particular Saturday morning, I recount how I just walked. I just started to trek about a block from the house. And the moment I got a block from the house, I noticed um, a white woman coming towards me at like 9.30 in the morning. And as we began to get closer and closer, she just an abrupt left to cross the street. And I was like, oh, that's strange. like... Man, do I got cooties or something? So she cuts left. And then about almost an hour later, as I'm on my way back, she jogging all willy-nilly off of Florence and Crenshaw. And I'm like, wow, they go to the neighborhood. And then right when I get back to the corner by the house, I didn't even know the house behind us was bought up by a white lady. She was out there him hawing with a dog her back was towards me and as i got closer she could feel my presence and then she turned around and had the big eyes the shock of her life like she was scared to death at like 10 or 30 in the morning i'm sitting there like wow and so i thought it was just interesting on you know how uh when white people come into what is normally predominantly black neighborhoods we we're conscious and we know this, but ain't nobody calling the damn cops on them, right? But then in my show, I reflect on what it would have been like had me and my girl trek um, crew, uh, girl trek is a black organiza- um a, a black uh, organization dedicated towards black women, excuse me. Um, and their health. And we do it by walking and reclaiming our neighborhoods. So I I flipped the script in my show and I talk about how, uh, what if I had been trekking through Bel Air, right? What if I was in Bel Air trekking through the neighborhood? And what if I actually lived there, right? But the perception is not that I live there, but I must be there cleaning houses or I must be doing security. But there ain't no way in the world that this black girl belonged in this neighborhood. And and I think that no that's the I know we're supposed to think highly of ourselves, but when you're black and in this country there is a, there's not just the classism thing, economics, but then there's the added layer of the expectation of someone of your race, right? And so I brung that up in my show, and then I concluded with this poem, and that's how I'm going to conclude this particular episode. Would love to hear your comments. I'm going to let the piece speak for itself. And here it goes. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel alright. One love, one heart. If I don't smile and stop, you will call the cops. Yeah. Sometimes a nigga better smile. <laughs> Just like when. A white Rialto resident called the police on Bob Marley's granddaughter because she didn't wave back as she suspiciously checked out of an Airbnb. Are we in the way in the New Harlem, Brooklyn, and Chocolate City? But I say palpa to my people, keep your pity. This shit is cyclical, patterns are predictable. Chicago's South Side in the 1940s and 50s had restrictive covenants that kept those areas white mob threats and being spat on when Lorraine Hansberry's family moved in then 1970s prime example of white flight and 80s crack escalated black blight but my people descend from the ashes of rosewood and our holy blood is in the concrete of wall street we dance 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 to drum beats in Congo Square 63rd Street Beach and the Merck Park and we paint Crenshaw murals with our beautiful for art that get vandalized with swastikas don't want to be our neighbors but make midnight rendezvous to terrorize our venues nipsey's death is still fresh it left most of us shook then i saw a white girl named caitlin in connecticut defacing his mural live on facebook and I know, I know, when we all get to heaven, ain't gonna be no racial divide. But truth is, black pride thrived in segregation. Because integration for my people means obliteration. And gentrification often means assimilation. Lack of cultural identification. And little Tokyo, little Armenia, Chinatown, Koreatown managed to stay true to their hue without Decimation. And hey, I want to trade a Joe's old Whole Foods within walking distance from my crib. But hey, F them too for not investing sooner in locations closer to where I live. So, I'm gonna invest in the black-owned solar food co-op once I pay off the rest of these bills. Huh? Master and them don't wanna give us reparations cause they know that we know what's best for us. Can you imagine these yet-to-be-United States after the biggest black exodus? Because I'm sure that my ancestors who came through the transatlantic slave trade want me to live anywhere that I am celebrated, not merely tolerated and hated. So, the next time one of these colonizers says something like, Go back to Africa. Huh. They ain't got to worry about me no more. I just might go. Peace.